Welcome to St. Alphonsus Wellcast, the podcast where we explore the many facets of health and well-being. This podcast is brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Well-Being and a generous grant from the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Everyone and welcome to the St. Alphonsus Wellcast. My name is Amy James. I am a registered dietitian with the St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing Department. And today we've got Candy Zapia. Say hi, Candy. Hello. And we've got Kim Cleveland, our resident nurse practitioner. Hello. And today we're going to talk about the wonderful world of supplements, um, which can get kind of hairy since there are so many. Um, And so we're going to kind of just like digest a few common ones initially, but I'm sure that this will probably spool into kind of like a series, a supplement series, if mm-hmm. you will. And we'll talk about some more, um, maybe like fun supplements later on that you guys we might We may have give heard. more questions than answers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we might, yeah, exactly. We'll leave you with a little bit more confusion. Um, just kidding. Uh, okay, so I'll go ahead and start this one off, and I'm just going to talk about the OG multivitamin, the MVI, which stands for multivitamin. And OG stands for original gangster. Yes. So the OG of the the supplements is the multivitamin. Um, Okay. So just to give you guys a little bit of background on dietary supplement products. So these were defined by the 1994 Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act or the DSHEA of 1994. And by definition, they are intended to supplement the diet containing one or more dietary ingredients, including vitamins, minerals, herbs, other botanicals, amino acids, and other substances or their constituents, which essentially means the non-energy-yielding components of food. (laughs) Um, And so uh, the multivitamin is the most commonly consumed supplement. I saw a bunch of figures ranging from like half of the adult population upwards of like 70% of older adults that consume a multivitamin. In other words, it's pretty common. It's something you hear. It's probably something you've been asked by your doctor. Are you taking your multivitamin? But essentially what they are are just uh, supplements that contain like just a tiny hint or an array of helpful nutrients. And so you can kind of think of it as like an insurance premium to cover your bases. Uh, If it's difficult to meet your nutritional needs every day, then you might consider a multivitamin. Um, They're meant to fill smaller, not as urgent or pressing nutrient gaps, um, which again is kind of like your insurance policy on your health or like a fail safe. Um, so according to the National Institutes of Health Office of Dietary Supplements, there's no standard or regulatory definition for multivitamins, and that includes what nutrients they must contain and at what levels. So it's kind of, it's a, this is where we get into like the hairiness of supplements and their regulation, and we'll get into a little bit, like a little bit more details. Um, but it's really up to the manufacturers, and it can vary widely based on like what their composition is and the quality of the multivitamin. Um, so essentially what you'll hear Kim and I say a lot today is that if you eat a balanced diet, you know, fruits and vegetables, whole grains all that good stuff, you know, uh, high-quality sources of protein and all the things that are included in a well-rounded diet, the likelihood that you really, really need a multivitamin or that you're going to have some, like, overt health benefit from consuming a multivitamin is unlikely. Um, But there are some populations of people that really benefit from multivitamins, for example, 
pregnant women, obviously you want to cover your DHA, your folic acid, and so a prenatal vitamin is wise for you to have, but also not recommended in every country. Um, growing children, yeah. Elderly, you know, if you have a condition that causes malabsorption or if you have a uh, if you're taking a medication that interferes with absorption of a nutrient or any other type of medical condition that might yield uh, a supplement recommendation, obviously circumstances are a little bit different for you. So as it pertains to multivitamins, which one should you choose and why? So I'm going to get a little bit more into the hairiness of, of regulation here. So the FDA is actually charged with regulating dietary supplements under the DSHEA, which is what I will refer to that as from now on because the acronym is way too long. <laughs> it's too long. <laughs> um, but unlike pharmaceuticals, the DSHEA doesn't require supplement manufacturers to establish product safety, health benefits, efficacy, quality, or ingredient integrity before going to market. So you see a lot of like mislabeled supplements. Um, you potentially could have contaminated products. Wasn't that thing at Target a few years ago where like half the supplements just had sawdust in them or something like that? Oh, yeah. And I mean, this can like really spin into a conversation about like food fraud and because, you know, the FDA can only really manage to regulate like what is it like 80 percent of our food system and so it's kind of ridiculous to have them to expect them to be able to also regulate our supplements yes every uh, single supplement yes, that's out there there's so many and so many companies now popping up everywhere oh that are coming up with their own exactly formulations exactly. so really long story short you guys supplements are not regulated well and so when it comes to choosing one i have really specific standards as far as what you should choose. Um, because multivitamins can come in gels, they can come in powders, they can come in liquids, gummies, and the sheer amount of brands out there is so overwhelming. So to make this as easy as possible, look for signs of reputability. And the number one thing is quality certifications. And so I'm talking agencies like consumerlab.com, NSF International, and U.S. Pharmacopial Convention, or USP. If I had to make a recommendation, like right off the top of my head, when anybody asks me what's a good brand, Nature Made. They're regulated by USP, that last regulatory agency I talked about. Um, I, and you can buy that brand anywhere. Exactly. Like I've seen them everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's at all your drugstores. It's at Costco if you want to buy the big bulk items. Um, and it's it's quality stuff. And it's regulated by USP, which I think, I mean. We are not just... sponsored by Nature yeah. Made. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's just my recommendation. But again, you're just going to look for those reputability agencies that regulate. And these people actually go through the supplement. They make sure they're quality. They make sure they're not contaminated or contain harmful agents, things like that. Um, however, I think the take-home message for this entire podcast is as best you can, choose food first. I think that's that. a really good one. Love that. So I have a quick question about the supplement situation too because, okay, we can look and we can see, let's find it from a reputable place. But like the dosages mm -hmm. on the different supplements are insane. So I was cleaning out my grandparents' um, medicine cabinet and uh, my grandmother was giving my grandfather B12. Mm -hmm. The Costco version of the B12 complex has 8,000% of the daily value of thiamine, 4,000% of vitamin B12, and a thousand of like biotin and, you know, B2, 1500. 
these seem like big Mega, numbers. Mega doses, we call them. Yes, these mega doses. Are there concerns about mega doses on some of these supplements? And what numbers should we be looking for if we do want to take supplements? Well, Kim will get into B-complex. Oh, um, good. So that's something that we're going to talk about. Good, but good. It, it really comes down to, yes, it is based off some research. Well, at least we hope so. Again, kind of like going back to what I just said, you can't like always bank on that. But B vitamins are water-soluble. And so essentially whatever you don't use or you don't absorb, you're just going to pee it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's good. But I'll let, I'm going to save the rest for when Kim gets to that at the end. Um, but that's a really good question. Yeah. There, and a really good point. There's so much variability. But right. any multivitamin, for example, what Amy was mm-hmm. just talking about, and any Nature Made versus another brand, they're going to have different amounts of every mm-hmm. different kind of vitamin, and there's really no standard there. Yep, right. There's no regulation on what you have, you know, for it to be labeled a multivitamin, it has to have so many milligrams of blah, blah, blah. There's nothing out there. There's nothing there. No. No. It's a free-for-all. And and I, I actually don't, don't quote me on this, but I think that these regulatory agencies don't even really look into that aspect of things. It's mm-hmm. more like quality of the supplement. Is it contaminated? Like gotcha. that it's safe. That is you safe. know, not necessarily like, oh, make sure it's got, you know, X amount of X, Y, Z. Um, it's really complicated. Yeah. Very yeah. complicated. And yeah. it's, so, so look for the, the regulatory agencies. Otherwise, you know, look into the companies. Like there are tons of great brands popping up like Thorn. Thorn is a huge one right now hmm. that everybody's looking into, which I want to say is – you know, regulated and reputable, but again, they're not they're not regulated by any of those agencies. No, and there are yeah. certain, you know, besides those third parties that, you know, you want to look for third-party testing agencies, too. Mm-hmm. Some people are using certain companies to mm-hmm. test those ingredients, and I think that is a really important part of it, that it's not just what the company is saying is in there, right. but instead what another agency is saying in that company's uh, product. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we covered the OG, the multivitamin. Let's go to Kim now, and she's going to talk to us about vitamin D, calcium, and magnesium. Mm. Okay. So first of all, my disclaimer for this whole podcast and for myself <laughs> is that I am a healthcare provider. I am not your healthcare provider. And so for your individual recommendations, this is not intended to be advice for you, but is supposed to be general information that you can take for your knowledge and mm-hmm. then consult with your own healthcare provider to determine what's needed for you or your family members. Um, but starting with calcium and vitamin D um, and magnesium kind of goes along with this too. Um, I'll do vitamin D first. It's a really important vitamin in the body. It's fat soluble, so it can build up and be stored in your body. Um, and it's a super important vitamin in the immune system, um, bone function, mood, energy, and then low levels, you can end up with osteoporosis, so breakdown of your bones. Um, it's associated with certain diseases like multiple sclerosis, um, you know, impaired immune function, things like that. And I want to say, like, probably 10 years ago, like, it was kind of like everything had to have been vitamin D. Everyone was coming in, they yeah. wanted their thyroid checked, and their vitamin D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. so there was a lot of information out there about taking vitamin D supplements. And there is quite a bit of data that people in the northern hemisphere aren't getting enough vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And those of us who work in the office buildings all day, we're not getting enough vitamin D either. Cause that? That's not me. I know, right? Just kidding, it is. <laughs> I know. So our body um, synthesizes it from sunlight on our skin, um, and then the only other way to get it is through vitamins or, supple- or um, fortified foods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in general, 400 to 800 units per day is a good idea to supplement with if you're going to, um, if you find out that you're 
vitamin D levels are low or if you know you're inside all day, it's not a bad idea. That's unlikely to be an amount that's going to cause any problem for you. Um, and then also if you have a syndrome that's associated with low vitamin D, like if you end up with osteoporosis or something like that, then, then we may check your D level and then recommend another dose for you. Um, and then just to give you an idea of how much vitamin D is in certain food products, you want between that 400 and 800 units a day. Um, fortified milk is going to have about 150 units per cup. Um, and then cod liver oil, which is another common supplement, and we'll get to that in a little bit. There's about 450 units per teaspoon of the cod liver oil, so that's quite a bit. And then about a cup of fortified cereal is 85 international units. And then some other food sources that you may find some in is wild mushrooms, sockeye salmon, oysters, and fortified tofu. And those all have good amounts of vitamin D also. So there are ways to definitely get enough vitamin D from your diet as well as trying to get outside with your skin exposed to sunlight. Um, again, you know, there's been a lot of information out there about like skin cancer prevention and wanting to wear tons of sunscreen and wear your UPF clothing and all that. <laughs> but that, of course, is going to interfere with our ability to get vitamin right. D too. Um, and then people who have darker skin are also less likely to synthesize vitamin D as well from their sun exposure. So, and we're not just saying go outside and bake in the sun for extended periods of time. It's like what, fifteen minutes? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you know, and with as much skin uncovered as is comfortable. Um, so just you know, something to think about. But it is a really important vitamin, particularly for bone health. Um, and that brings me to calcium. So most people should be getting between 1,000 and 1,200 milligrams per day, and that's between both food and supplement sources combined. Um, and food sources, you'd be looking at like dairy products, sardines, collard greens, and then some of those fortified juices and cereals and beans and things like that will have calcium in them. Um, the most important group I would say that's important for an adequate calcium intake for bone purposes is going to be adolescents who are building a lot of bone and then postmenopausal women who no longer have the estrogen needed to help with their bone, uh, maintaining their bone density. Um, so if you don't eat a lot of calcium-containing foods or if you're worried about osteoporosis with like a family history, it might not be a bad idea to take a supplement. And that may look like even, you know, 600 milligrams of calcium. If you know you're getting some in your diet, it doesn't mean you have to take the entirety with, um, with calcium supplement. And it's important to know that if you take too much calcium, it's not necessarily a good thing. You can end up with kidney stones. Um, and there's some studies from a while back that suggest that dietary calcium can increase calcification in your heart arteries, which can lead to heart attacks. But that's really not too conclusive. The point is, is that you know, more is not better. Yes. And just only supplementing with what you need that you don't think you're getting from your diet is a good idea. So did you want to touch on magnesium or should I? Yeah. Okay. And then magnesium is another really important um, portion of bone health as well. But there's lots of indications that people have been taking magnesium for. I feel like it's sort of the new vitamin D. It feels like everybody's uh, yeah. taking it. I was it also going to say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think for, I think I was taking chelated magnesium for a while for some tense muscles. Yeah. Like people take it for back. that. Yeah. They take it for like, if you know, recovery from workouts I've yes. heard. Yeah. People um, take it for like GI, um, like if you have constipation, magnesium citrate can help for that. And then oh, that's right. Magnesium three and eight is also really good for sleep. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got it's very universal. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who are at risk for inadequate magnesium intake in their diet, mm -hmm. and that's going to be people who have GI issues that may lead to like long-standing diarrhea. You just don't absorb all the magnesium in your diet. Um, if you're an alcoholic or overuse alcohol. 
Older adults aren't going to absorb it as well. People with a poor quality diet. And then type 2 diabetics, interestingly enough. Um, Magnesium also plays a really important role with your glucose metabolism. And so it can lead to insulin resistance as well if you have a low magnesium diet. Um, There's actually not a lot of, I sort of going down a rabbit hole here, like what's the evidence for taking magnesium if you have type 2 diabetes? And there's not enough evidence that it improves glucose metabolism to the point to be used as adjunctive therapy in people who have type 2 diabetes. Uh But it is important just to make sure you're getting enough in your diet. And that's going to be with like lots of fresh fruits and vegetables and things like that. Um, Again, like people using diuretics for high blood pressure or people on proton pump inhibitors like Prilosec or Omeprazole for acid reflux that can also lead to low magnesium. So if you're on certain medications, it might be a good idea to take magnesium. Um, or, you know, it may not be a bad idea if you're a type 2 diabetic. Um, or just in general, making sure you have enough magnesium in your diet is a good idea. And then Amy said, you know, it can be used to treat constipation. There's also a role in migraine prevention, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah. So there's lots of different roles there for magnesium, but overall, most people are going to be getting enough in their diet if they're getting lots of fruits, vegetables, seeds, and, and lean proteins. Right. Magnesium always makes me think of eating the rainbow. Like if you can mm. count, you know, two to three colors on your plate, chances are you've got like a decent amount of magnesium there. And there's actually yeah. quite a bit of evidence, too, of people who take too much magnesium. And then there's been a lot of cases of people ending up with like heart attacks from, mm-hmm. from too much of that. So I definitely caution yeah. Right. With taking too much. Yeah. Um, the re- recommended daily value from all sources is about 300 to 350 milligrams a day. And they don't recommend taking more than 400 milligrams per day as a supplement. Mm. So Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Excellent. And so I will now talk to you guys about vitamin C, which is honestly kind of, I feel like another one of the OG vitamins oh, that people have been like doling out information on or, you know, like... You know, you got, oh, you fell on your scooter. Here's some vitamin C. Here's some vitamin C. Rub some vitamin C on it. Um, (laughs) As soon as you sneeze, as soon as you cough, vitamin C. Orange juice. (laughs) Exactly. So so the first thing, why do we use it? Why do we hear it so much? And it's typically um, taken to stave off the common cold. Um, So you'll see, like, those emergency packets or you'll have, like, your mom shoving orange juice in your face. Like, oh, you need your vitamin C. You need your vitamin C. And so something that I, when I was uh, looking up more information on this, and I didn't know, that this was actually spurred on by, Linus Pauling in the 70s. So if you don't know who Linus Pauling is, he's a double Nobel laureate and apparently the self-proclaimed champion of vitamin C who promoted like daily megadoses um, <laughs> in the amount of 12 to 24 oranges a day what? Um, as a way to prevent colds wow. and some chronic diseases. Wow. I think I'd rather have a cold than 24 oranges. That's a lot of fiber in that, yeah. too. You know, I, I love oranges, but I think I'd probably stop it, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so vitamin C, or you might hear it referred to as ascorbic acid, is a water-soluble vitamin. So that being said, um, the recommended dietary allowance for adults 19 years and older is 90 milligrams daily for men and 75 milligrams for women. These recommendations change for life stage. Uh, so, for example, for pregnancy and lactation, um, the amount increases from 75 milligrams to 85 milligrams, all the way up to 120 milligrams a day. Um, and smoking, this is a big one, smoking can actually deplete vitamin C levels in the body. So if you're mm. a smoker, you need an additional 35 milligrams beyond what your RDA is. Um, <clears throat> now, back to the common cold. Uh, so not to disappoint everybody here, but 
despite it being very popular to be like a common fix for vitamin C, the research actually doesn't really support that. Yeah. Tons of studies have been done saying, you know, mega doses of supplement of vitamin C have really no significant effect on the common cold or its incidence, but it might provide some type of benefit on um, decreasing the duration or the severity of the cold. So, I mean, not like not a total crock, you know, Um, if you're if you're bound, if you're kind of like on the path of getting a cold, you can't just like interrupt it with. Right. Vitamin C. I'm nice? just gonna yeah. stop it in its tracks. <laughs> twenty four oranges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Just you guys have twenty four oranges. You're good to go. <laughs> um, but you can stop the severity or, or potentially shorten the length of it. Um, so its role in the body. Um, so it's a water soluble vitamin. Um, this means this is where I was going with this. This means that if you guys you know take your mega doses of it, like if you take and I think it's up to like a thousand milligrams, you're only really gonna absorb like fifty percent of that. And the rest you're just gonna pee out. But if you're mega dosing in like 3,000 milligram quantities, you do have the potential to cause like diarrhea, um, or you could even potentially put yourself at risk for kidney stones. So while I say that there's not a huge threat for upper intake levels, I wouldn't go all Linus Pauling on this. 3,000 seems like you really have to work. Yeah, to get there. Exactly. It's not by accident. It's not by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, what probably what comes in like your standard multivitamin or emergency packet when you're getting sick is fine. Um, You're not going to do any damage. Um, Not sure you're going to do anything else otherwise, you know. (laughs) But if it makes you feel better, then go ahead and do it. (laughs) Um, So vitamin C's role in the body. So um, it it has a role in controlling infections, healing wounds. It's a really powerful antioxidant, so it can neutralize harmful free radicals or um, reduce risk of cancer. Um, It's needed to make collagen, which is a fibrous protein and connective tissue that we have in many systems in our body, including the nervous system, immune system, uh, our bones, cartilage, blood, and and many others. Um, And then this vitamin also helps make tons of hormones and chemical messengers that we use in our brain and nerve systems. Um, So very, very important. Um, But like I said, maybe not the cure for a cold. (laughs) Okay. Alrighty. And then to piggyback on that, I'll talk a little bit about zinc. Zinc is another um, mineral that's getting a lot of attention as far as like immuno, Mm -hmm. uh, not, I wanted to say suppressing, but I'm thinking the exact opposite. Boosting, Um, immune immune boosting. Thank you. Immune (laughs) boosting. Um, It's a trace mineral, so we actually really only need very, very small amounts of it, Um, but it's necessary for almost like a hundred reactions in our body. Um, And so it's a major player for like creation of DNA, the growth of cells, building proteins, healing damaged tissue, and finally enough supporting a healthy immune system. And so the RDAs are the recommended dietary allowances. It's funny that we're talking about this right now, you guys, because I taught this in my class today at Boise State. (laughs) Um, Nice. So for 19 years and older, for men, you only need 8 milligrams. So, uh, oh. oh, I'm sorry, 11 milligrams for men and 8 milligrams for women. So really That's different. Low. Yeah, really, really different from, you know, in comparison to kind of the numbers that we've been uh, throwing around. So uh, food sources include things like meats, poultry, seafood. Um, those are all going to be really rich in zinc. There are some plant foods like legumes, so lentils, whole grains. Um, <clears throat> but it's to be said that all of these sources also contain phytates, which phytic acid or phytates bind to zinc and kind of can make that bioavailability a little bit more difficult. So 
you might see more of a need for a, a zinc supplement, especially in like your vegetarians or your yeah. vegans. Um, other than that, meat, poultry, and seafood is where you're going to get this. Um, yeah. All right. Any any questions on that one? Okay. No. All right. Well, that was a good coverage. Thanks. Uh, Kim, why don't you wrap it up with omega-3s and B-complex? Ah, uh, yes. Let's talk about omega-3s first because I think that there's a little bit more of a role for them for general population. Um, basically, people who live in countries where they eat more servings of fish per week were found to have lower incidences of certain cancers and um, cardiovascular disease and things like that. So that's kind of where the whole idea for taking fish oil came from. Um, Omega-3s are the big fatty acid in the fish oil that provides the benefit. They have they're the powerhouse of anti-inflammation. Um, they can lower your triglyceride levels, which is one of the cholesterol levels in your blood. And then some studies have shown that omega-3s will lower your blood pressure and can change your body composition, like you'll see in some studies, like a change in waist circumference and things like that. And then they can decrease the fat around the liver, so that has a good mm-hmm. um, implication mm-hmm. for people with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and things like that, too. And then your brain health is another piece. So... Interestingly about the omega-3s, particularly in the U.S., is a lot of our diet is sort of corn heavy. (laughs) There's high fructose corn syrup and all these other inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids. And so we don't don't have a lot of that omega-3 in our diet that's providing that balance, that anti-inflammatory balance. So I think it might be a good idea for some people to take omega-3s. And you can either do this with a fish oil supplement or cod liver oil is another common Mm -hmm. um, source of these omega-3s. And... The doses that they've studied in cardiovascular disease in terms of lowering triglyceride levels and other things are up to like three grams per day, so 3,000 milligrams, which is quite a bit. And Mm -hmm. interestingly to note is that lower doses, like if you're taking like 500 milligrams or 250, didn't really show a lot of benefits. You kind of have to take the recommended dose in order to get the maximum benefit of these. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's the cod liver oil, which has been studied in like ADHD and some other brain function type things. And there's not great evidence to recommend them as solo treatment for certain neurologic conditions or psychiatric conditions, but they can be supportive for your brain health. Um, one thing to note about that is there's lots of vitamin A and D in cod liver oil. And I'd say in general, a lot of the people that I see that are taking a fish oil supplement are also taking a multivitamin supplement. Mm-hmm. And so with some of these preparations, you have to be careful that you're mm-hmm. not getting too much of any one nutrient that can become toxic in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the cod liver oil is a really good source of the omega-3 fatty acids. Um, one concern that some people will voice is the mercury levels that are in longer living fish such as cod. Um, some of the data shows that the, you know, the commercially available supplements don't really contain that mercury, but that is always a concern. So just kind of thinking about that. And then, you know, if you don't want to do the supplement, you could always just consider eating three to four servings of non-fried fish per week um, mm-hmm. and consider small fishes like sardines, which have less mercury in them too. So. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, sardines. Lots of Lots sardines. Of big ones. A lot of people complain, too, when they take the cod liver oil that they, like, burp. Burp. Yeah. Burp yeah. the fish. Um, <laughs> which, and it's I, often as <laughs> a liquid, so you kind of yeah. have to drink it. Yeah. You know, it's not, yeah. not oh ideal. <laughs> yeah, just have your, your fatty fish, your salmon, your mackerel, your herring. Well, and what if you are vegetarian? Where where would you get your yeah. Omega-3s. You can get it from like flaxseed and okay. other seeds will contain those omega-3s. Walnuts. 
Yeah, and like a sea algae, seaweed, sea algae yeah, sea, contains yeah. a lot of omega-3s as well. I was going to say also this, um, for those of you that don't know if I haven't mentioned it already 1,700 times in our other podcast episodes, I'm 33 weeks pregnant, and one of my favorite things to do is to go on my apps and, like, get my tip of the day. And I just crack up when they're nutrition-related because I think, you guys, when I was, like, 16 weeks pregnant it was like don't don't give in to your your sugar sweet cravings have a carrot instead and it was like <laughs> excuse me um <laughs> i don't know about you guys out there but a carrot is not going to satisfy my sweet tooth anyway so i i get a kick out of them but then they were saying something um in the last couple of weeks about how uh, omega-3 is really really important towards the end of pregnancy and like the brain development and how mm. um like they were making correlations between essentially like intelligence of Oh, yeah, the DHA and all that. And the DHA, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was crazy to me. And so I had this, like, panic attack and went to Costco and bought, like, copious amounts of salmon. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, I eat enough salmon anyway. Right. But um, that's my recent experience with my omega-3s, you guys. Very important to make sure you're getting enough either in your diet or from supplements. And that's going to be a little bit different like the omega-3s. It's alpha-linoleic acid Mm -hmm. in the um, vegetarian sources versus the DHA in Mm -hmm. the the fish sources. Um, And in general, it's thought that maybe the DHA is a little more important than the ALA. But Mm -hmm. there are vegetarians out there who, um, you know, can get that anti-inflammatory effect from the ALA as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so let's wrap it up with B-Complex, and then um, we'll be signing off. Yeah, so the B-Complex information is this is a super common one because everyone thinks that more B vitamin is going to give them more energy. Energy, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it and it just, it's going to make your pee turn weird yeah. colors. It's usually just not the case. Um, you know, B9 is folic acid, mm-hmm. so there's a role for pregnant women to make sure for neural tube defect prevention that they um, end up with enough vitamin B9 or folic acid. And then people who are vegetarian um, should be taking a B12 supplement because they're likely unable to get that from their food sources. So um, those are the two people that I think should be taking a, either, you know, a B9 or a B12. Mm-hmm. And then people who are older, over the age of 50, it's recommended that they consider taking a B12 supplement as well, just mostly because they're probably not consuming enough in their diet and they may have issues with absorption. Um, and then in general, you know, vitamin B2 is riboflavin. And there is a little bit of a role in uh, taking riboflavin and migraine prevention for people who are susceptible. But Otherwise, I think a B-complex, if you're eating a generally healthy diet, um, probably is unnecessary. And again, like these mega doses like you were talking about in your grandpa's. (laughs) Yes. He probably peed a lot of it out. Yeah. Yeah. It was unlikely to cause him a lot of harm, but the amount of benefit from mega doses is pretty low. Yeah. Right. That's something um, a lot of dietitians say, uh, you know, we all have our friend that kind of wakes up and has like a handful of supplements that, you know, they just pop really quick and we just, we kind of snicker and we say that they've just got really expensive pee. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which is because our, our, something that I, um, I wanted to say to kind of close out this episode was that, you know, the reason we push food first, food first, food first isn't because we're like food people, even though we are, you know, or dietitians or health and wellness experts. It's because like the bioavailability of these um, compounds, these vitamins and minerals are so much higher in the food form, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. what I mean to say is that you're going to be able to absorb and utilize and um, all the other good stuff, the food form of these micronutrients, so much easier and better and more um, effectively than in a supplement form, which is going to be in a different form and not as bioavailable. Like 
the ALA compared to the DHA, the mm-hmm. um, well, and like taking an omega three and a multivitamin with your Chick Fil A, not to you know hate on Chick Fil A, <laughs> yeah, isn't, isn't yeah. going to be giving you much benefit. No, right, right. So. No, and I think um, a lot of people think that they can you know kind of eat however they want because they take their mm-hmm. handful of pills in the morning, and that's just not the case. So really, the focus is on having a, a you know colorful, well well varied, well balanced diet. Um, with, you know, Chick-fil-A only once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> that is our recommendation. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, anything else on B vitamins? Not really. I mean, this is just a gross overview of the ones that we most commonly see right. people taking or get yeah. a lot of questions about. Um, and again, this could spark a lot of discussion about other supplements and totally. herbs and vitamins and things that people mm-hmm. take. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there who will take a blood sample and let you know what they think you need. And, mm-hmm. you know, they all exist. Um, and of course, we're all, you know, intrigued by the fountain of youth and vitality. But mm-hmm. I think this is a really good <laughs> overview of some of the more common supplements that yes. we see. Yes. And if you really are someone who's concerned, like you think you might have a deficiency somewhere, go to your provider. Have them test for that. Um, That's the best thing you could do. Not some third party uh, let me take your blood or your spit or whatever they're doing. I can't even keep up anymore, you guys. Yeah. Um, but they market your... so well, though. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> or your food sensitivity kits, whatever. Um, go to your doctor, have this conversation, um, because there is a good chance that, you know, someone might fall into a higher risk category, whether that be age or medical condition or what have you. Um, and you might need to supplement with something. Um, or maybe your, you know, the dietary um, restrictions that you follow puts you in a, a higher risk category for some type of deficiency. So, all really healthy conversations to have with your healthcare provider. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you, everybody. I'm sure we'll have a, a part tour oh, coming yeah. out with something, <laughs> um, maybe some more uh, fun sleep supplements. Or um, if you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out to us at sawellness at sanalfonsis.org, and we are happy to cover it. Until then, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Alphonsus Wellcast. Brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing and the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Always be sure to catch new episodes by subscribing to us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. We hope you'll tune in again. Until then, be well.